What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay from the Tipsy Ghost. We are your tipsy hosts. Hi. Yeah. Nailed it. Hi, guys. Did I almost nail it? I feel like I might have butchered that one. Sorry. No. I think it sounded great. It sounded great. One day. (laughs) One day I'll figure it out. How I like it. What's up, everybody? (laughs) So we are remote podcasting again this week, guys. Um, And hopefully my Wi-Fi does a lot better. Right. (laughs) We've been like chatting for like an hour trying to figure out other stuff. And I feel like I haven't frozen yet. So we're doing good, right? Oh, it's definitely not frozen like last time. But I'm a little sad because the jazz hands were the (laughs) highlight of my weeks in quarantine. (laughs) I like to call them spirit fingers. And yes. Yes. Okay, spirit fingers, jazz hands. I think they're the same. Am I wrong? No? Okay, wait, I'm uh, wrong. Jazz hands are down here. Spirit fingers are up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. go with that. All right. I feel like spirit fingers, you wiggle your fingers more, and jazz hands, it's more like shaking the hands. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It's probably a combination of both if they could actually see us. It was a lot of laughing going on, but it's fine. You guys, my my husband went on a um, journey this week to try to find toilet paper. I just thought I'd tell you all about this because because oh <laughs> the struggle is very real with the toilet paper yes. situation. <laughs> you got to like hit it just right, you know, at the stores. <laughs> I was going to say, they... that's what she said. Oh, oh, hey. <laughs> that's my favorite joke. Sorry, continue. <laughs> Okay, well, you do have to hit it just right at the stores to pick up that TP. You know what I mean? So they stock the shelves and boom, they're gone. So he finally, I was like looking all over Kansas City, like on Google, trying to figure out where they had some. Um, and we weren't like desperate, but I was trying to, you know, we've got four people living here all the time. We go through toilet paper pretty quickly. Uh, so I sent him over to Walmart <laughs> and I'm like, hey, they have them here. The kind that they're showing online looks decent. Like, go pick it up and see what you get. He goes, they give you one, which I totally understand. Comes back, it's a four pack, and it is single ply. And oh no, <laughs> I never really I mean, thought much times, but still. <laughs> about toilet paper single ply until you have to use it. And at that point, I feel like you should just probably use your hand. It's about the same. <laughs> There's really no barriers there <laughs> at all. It's oh gosh, the worst. Um, so don't worry, we found some others since then. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I'm gonna have to donate though. I cannot deal. I cannot unless it's like getting that bad where we have literally nothing. And I honestly don't know that it's better. <laughs> so I thought I'd share my story. Oh my you almost have to go with the crumple method. Um, or the extra fold method to get enough of a absorbency in order to have an appropriate wipage. I honestly didn't even know that they made single ply. Like even the hospital has double. Just barely, just barely double, but yeah. This is the office. Remember Dwight was making the toilet paper single ply. (laughs) Yes. That bad. I am in an episode of the office currently. I mean, I feel like we all are. I keep thinking of that <laughs> meme with Dwight where he's like, there's too many people on this planet. We need a new plague. <laughs> <laughs> or when Michael's like, okay, it's happening. 
everybody calm down. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel every day. <laughs> That's freaking America. It's a yes. fire drill constantly. That's it. That's all I got. I've had luck finding, I found toilet paper at Lowe's and like Home Depot. Ooh. That's where I found some toilet paper sometimes. I hit the jackpot. I think outside the box a, in the middle of the quarantine. I got a big one at Target like a week ago and we still haven't even cracked into it. So I think we're okay for a little while. Um, also, okay, my mo- <laughs> I got a big package from my mom, so I okay. think I'm okay. Are you one of oh. the hoarders of toilet paper? <laughs> Why do you um, keep do you- going out for more? I don't know. I uh, I think my <laughs> I may have sounded panicky about the toilet paper situation before I went to buy one. Okay, and also again, you can only buy one package, and they're a package of four, and you go through that in my house in like three days. Mm-hmm. But if you have a big pack at home, maybe now I two. Do. Now I do. And then my mom heard that I was stressed. And so she was trying to help and sent me something. But it is also single ply toilet paper from Amazon. So I have a huge package that I'll probably donate when I'm when I'm done. <laughs> can, you just, can you just keep saying you have a huge package? <laughs> I know. I heard it too. And I can I have a huge package. I keep trying package. to make a joke when you say like, from my mom. From my mom. I'm like, eh, it's not funny. <laughs> it is really funny that I have a huge package. Also, I have a white stain all over my paper from my arm. Oh. Guys, I'm killing I it. I love it. Um, we've had problems with like, Am- I know Amazon is kind of like, you got to find a good, some stuff is not shipping out right away. But I was trying to get like a piece of furniture ordered from Ikea, which it was like $40 cheaper than it was on Amazon. And I was like, dude, I'll just do like Ikea pickup because obviously Ikea is not open right now. They aren't open at all for like pickup, delivery, nothing. And they're like, oh, we can do delivery. It's just $10 extra. Estimated delivery was May 30th. Yeah, after they opened back up. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> Right. Yeah. No, I'll just spend the $40 and get it through Amazon and it'll be here Wednesday. So I was a little frustrated with that, but I mean, I get it. I get why places are closed and furniture is not essential, but like, yeah, but they sell meatballs. Meatballs are food and food's essential. <laughs> it was like, it was essential for us this week. Cause we took in, you know, another team, like you guys know, and didn't have the stuff for her so I was trying to get her room like furnished as quick as possible and luckily Amazon and Wayfair came in clutch but would have been cheaper at Ikea (laughs) definitely we'll get through this we'll get through it you know what's saving us all TikTok wine wine (laughs) both both yes Boyson have you downloaded TikTok yet I have not. I think at this point I'm kind of on a, a refusal. Plus, I've got some things that, that I've me. been watching on YouTube, um, and they're very entertaining for me, probably not for many other people. And I've also been doing some bird watching, like the old lady that I am. So I <laughs> am just satisfied. And I also got some coloring books. There are there are pictures of food with uh, they're saying curse words. So, Ooh, I could get down with that. I might have to, I might have to get the link for that one. Yeah. A little curse word therapy. I showed, <laughs> I showed our teens, um, some of the TikTok videos that me and my friends made, <laughs> which was like dancing ones, you know, and they were both like, okay, yeah, you got it. And I was like, 
guys, I've arrived. The teenagers <laughs> think I'm cool. <laughs> uh, they're probably being nice, but yeah, you're I was cool. going to say, but do they? <laughs> okay. <Stop it. laughs> don't bring me down. Don't, don't bring me down. <laughs> Um, either way, like I don't make a whole lot of videos. I did make one that, um, makes it look like Gus is screaming when he yawns. And that is my favorite. Oh, how am uh, I not but... following you on TikTok yet? <laughs> because I have two videos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I only have like three or four. I made one dance video Gosh. and one Gus yawning video. Well, it says there's a Sarah with your last name, but it says 16 followers and zero videos. You have a video, don't you? Yeah, I do. But what is my picture? Is it me with a truly in my hand? No. Yep, found you. So my coloring book has a picture of um, two peanuts together, and it says, eat my nuts. Yes. And you can color that all in. It's got a nice background. And then there's another one with a picture of a, a happy-looking little pear with a pretty background that you color in. And it says, grow a pear, you whiny bitch. And <laughs> you can color that in. So it's just things like that. <laughs> I need that. Yeah, yeah. It's therapeutic. People at work had um, like anatomy coloring books. Did you see those? Mm, no. I got Sounds the one. Like my I got, anatomy lab. Oh, yeah. See, that was fun for me. <laughs> I got one of the girls. Um, me too, she but I don't let me pull out a piece of her coloring book with uh, the cat buttholes. I have one yeah. of those. Yeah, we saw that one. That one was fun. Oh, okay. Ooh. Okay, just I mean, fun buttholes does not go with fun. No, it has nothing to do with cats. I don't want to color any animal's butthole or sphincter. You don't, you don't understand, but mostly cats. (laughs) I'm okay with not understanding this. I'm okay with that. (laughs) Agree to disagree. (laughs) I will get done with those curse words though. So uh, hit me up with the link here, stat. If you need any fun things to watch on YouTube. I always watch YouTube. It's my favorite. I don't know why. I watch a lot of like makeup and face painting videos mm. and it clearly is reflected in my daily look. Oh, <laughs> look that's, at this. that's not, I used to watch that and now it's more like, um, you know, toenail stuff and drain cleaning. There's a really cool guy in Australia that just cleans. Wait, wait, drains. wait, back up. What the fuck wait. are you watching on toenails? Like ingrown oh, toenails and um yeah I don't I don't do that shit get out of here you the freak. really curved ones and they can I mean, just I... uncurve it something wild is happening in Asia and oh. I don't know what it is but it's magic <laughs> I mean I like the blackhead popping videos I was gonna say, I can oh, I'm, I'm all over that yes I like the zits uh, toenails toenails are a hard pass <laughs> tonsil stones. I'm down for all of that. Uh, I can't do tonsil stones. You probably wouldn't like this drain cleaning guy, but his name's Ollie. He's really fun. He's from Australia. He brings along his um, fake pet rat named Ratty. Um, it's it's really fun. You did maybe enjoy. Um, anyway, so what are we doing today, guys? Uh, what are we doing? I don't know. We're doing. Hold on, I just texted you guys. What I think we should be for Halloween. What should we be for Halloween? Hey, that's like... I just texted a picture to you guys. <laughs> saw it the other night. Thought of you. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> it's a sexy ghost. <laughs> it's a sexy ghost. Yes, I could totally get down with that. Oh, can we hold a? Can you hold a beer in the hand too? 
Oh, can they? Just, yeah, ooh, sexy, sexy wouldn't it look weird with a mouth hole, though? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Oh, gosh. Don't that, take it too far. And now we're in a porn. So let me describe what the picture is. It's, I mean, if you just Google sexy ghost, um, you'll find it. But it's like people dressed yeah. up with like a white sheet covering their bodies with lingerie, like just a bra and underwear on top of it. <laughs> and oh. with just eye holes. <laughs> Sarah brings oh, up a valid point. How funny. do you drink? Oh, you have to have, you probably have to have one of those, um, I don't have one, obviously, but those hiking backpacks where you, you drink the water. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to have that. Underneath. Yes. Camelback. So smart. Yeah, yeah. Problem solved. No. <laughs> and then people no won't be able hole. to see how much we're drinking. No mouth hole for the porno. No. <laughs> No, <laughs> no judgments. We could just be drinking nonstop, and we won't be eating anything, so we'll be real fun. Oh God, we better load up on Mexican food that night. Yeah, just saying. Uh, okay, back to hey, what hey, we're Rona. Doing. Can you be gone by October, please? <laughs> oh, I'm oh, gonna oh, need oh, Rona oh, to be okay. gone by October. If it's not, we're still we're still having a a remote Halloween party because it's my favorite. <laughs> Everyone's gonna be like, "What are you guys doing?" As we're wearing like beach lingerie on top. You mind your business? How about that? It's not business. It'd be funnier if we were all together, okay? <laughs> okay, so uh, we are doing our smorgasbord episode right this week, guys. The smorgasbord. The smorgasbord. Smorgasbord. Um. So I'm doing. What am I doing? Oh, I'm doing like an urban legend. Mm. What are you guys doing? Uh, I'm doing an unsolved mystery. Oh, I love a good unsolved mystery. A. It's a. It's a mystery. You can. Some people would call oh, it a conspiracy it. theory. But it's maybe a little of both. Yeah, sorry about that. That was my bad. I couldn't decide. I could. I had commitment issues on what I wanted to do, but I finally decided. It turns out it was a similar category <laughs> to Boydston. So you know what? We do what we want. It is what it is. And I just want to point out, these two had a little freak out moment of, what country is yours in? Are we doing the same thing? Hey, it wasn't me this time. <laughs> Again today. At least I didn't ask what it was exactly. Okay, I don't think I did either, did I? Mean, I? True, but still. It doesn't matter. We all have this weird panic. We're going to have to find a way to communicate. I'm doing this category in this country <laughs> from here on out. When I tell you what it is, you'll know exactly why, because it's very common. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. And all right. Let's should I go first? Right, well, Am I right? Lead us in. Lead us in. I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're building it up. Lead us in. We're going to chit-chat about the... Do you have any guesses? I hate that you do this. I love this game. <laughs> okay, so far all you've given us is it's an unsolved mystery. Maybe conspiracy and it's also very common. Aliens. Okay. Lindsay? UFOs. UFOs. That's almost I feel the like same. That's thing. the same. Oh wait, okay, all right. <laughs> Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Okay, thanks. Uh thanks for your contributions. Yeah. You're both wrong. And <laughs> We're going to talk today about the Bermuda Triangle. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, thank you. That was your very, like, teacher voice. Okay, thanks. You're both wrong. <laughs> I come from a family of teachers, and I never wanted to do it. So this is how I contribute. 
<clears throat> okay, so the Bermuda Triangle, or the Devil's Triangle, is an area where ships sink and planes vanish, and nobody knows why. So, is it an unsolved mystery? Is it a conspiracy? Or is there any mystery at all? I will talk about it at the end, but I don't think anybody knows. Um, and I don't know that anybody will know. So the Bermuda Triangle is, as it suggests, a triangular area in the Atlantic Ocean that covers about 500,000 square miles, which I saw we had some European listeners, is equivalent to almost 1.3 million square kilometers. Oh, that's very kind of you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's you. Accommodating. you. Mm-hmm. Its points are located in Bermuda... Puerto Rico, and Miami, Florida. Sailors and pilots reportedly are prone to losing contact with those on land and their equipment malfunctions, and they just disappear forever, for the most part, some of them. It's said that at least 75 planes and hundreds of ships have entered this infamous region and have never emerged, and an average of four planes and 20 boats vanish in this area every year leaving no trace behind which seems like a lot maybe it's a lot so over the years like a lot several disappearances or strange occurrences have been attributed to the bermuda triangle and we're gonna go over just a few of them if i went over every single one we would be here for days and days um so we're just gonna go over some of the highlights And we're going to start with um, a little date back in history I like to call 1492. Do either of you remember what happened in Maybe, but I don't remember how it went. The Nina, the Santa Maria, and what was the other one? The Pina? The Pinta? Pinta. Pinta? Pinta. (laughs) The penis. It's the penis. (laughs) Gosh, we sounded so smart that we knew 1492, but now it's all falling apart, guys. Gosh, this is going to bother me. Yep, it's going to bother me too. (laughs) <laughs> like a, that's how I knew it. Who needs a rhyme or a reason? Oh my gosh! <laughs> like a real song. I'm telling you, Amy Brant, Amy Brant or something. God, the hell was her name? The Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. Suck it! I said Pinta, and you guys all laughed. Amy Grant. Oh, I know Amy Grant. She was like Christian '90s. Yeah, I'm totally Christian. Also. <laughs> we can get back to your story sorry for that huge long tangent sorry i that really 
needed to happen though. So Amy Grant was her name. Are we ready? Ready. Okay. Ready. Sorry. 1492. As early as Christopher Columbus in 1492, just before he made the discovery for the European world and landed on Guanahani, Bermuda, it is reported that he and some of his crew saw strange lights at sea, almost like flames, and some of them went into the water. And back to the early 1600s, some believe that Shakespeare's play, The Tempest, is based around a shipwreck in the Bermuda Triangle. Are either of you familiar with The Tempest? No. No. I was not either. Um, But I was intrigued by this fact for some reason. So I did some further research into the claim, and obviously it doesn't prove or disprove it, but it more explains the thought behind it. So there was an author named William Strachey, and he was aboard the Sea Venture, which was the flagship supply fleet that sailed to the New English colony of Virginia from Plymouth in 1609. During a hurricane, it wrecked off the coast of Bermuda, and the survivors built two ships and set sail from Bermuda. They arrived in Jamestown in 1610 and found the new colony of Virginia suffering from, quote, famine and Indian attacks. Hmm. And this had reduced the colony from 600 to fewer than 70 people. So William Strachey wrote a book about it all, and Shakespeare may have been inspired by parts of it. In 1881, legend has it that the Ellen Austin, which is a ship that was sailing from Liverpool to New York, encountered a ghost ship in Bermuda in the Triangle. When the Ellen Austin approached the foggy waters of the Sargasso Sea, um, which is within the Atlantic Ocean that overlaps the Bermudic Triangle, Um, The crew encountered a fully stocked abandoned ship, so seeing this as an opportunity to seize valuable cargo, they sent some of their men onto the ship to sail the remaining journey side by side, but a bad storm separated the two ships, and when they were reunited the next day, there was no trace of the crew that was on the found ship. Um, The ship once more was abandoned but was left packed with valuable resources so the captain of the ellen austin again tried sending more of his crew onto it but when crew members got aboard for the second time a thick blinding fog rolled in and separated the ships when the fog finally cleared the ghost ship had completely vanished In 1895, Joshua Slocum, the first man to sail sail solo around the world, vanished on a voyage from Martha's Vineyard to South America. Slocum was well known as a fantastic sailor and should have never been lost at sea. His unexpected disappearance has since been attributed to the Bermuda Triangle, so people obviously think that he was good enough to sail around the world, why would he have issues just going from Martha's Vineyard and then disappear? In 1918, the U.S. Navy's largest and fastest fuel ship, the USS Cyclops, disappeared (laughs) en en route from the Caribbean to Baltimore with 309 crew members and didn't leave a single trace of what had happened. Because he could only see out of one eye. Yes, exactly. That's probably the issue. Problem, I think. 
No storms had been reported that day, and though fully equipped with distress equipment and signals, the USS Cyclops gave no warning that something dangerous was happening at sea. The legendary ship, which once delivered aid during World War One, Oh! Nailed it. Anybody hear that? On the that was amazing. Good job. Yep. Snaps <laughs> for Boydson, guys. Success. <laughs> did you practice that? I did not, actually. This came naturally. Good job. Hmm. Thank you. I liked it. <laughs> You're both jerks. <laughs> <laughs> the legendary ship, which once delivered aid during World War One and carried thousands of tons of manganese ore, had simply vanished without a trace. In 1945, the legend of the Bermuda Triangle began to take hold even more when five Navy torpedo bombers took off from a naval base in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. They were called Flight 19. They were scheduled to complete a three-hour exercise heading east to conduct bombing runs, then fly over Grand Bahama Island, and eventually pivot southwest to return home to Fort Lauderdale. But along the way, the flight's leader, Lieutenant Charles Taylor, became paranoid when his compass failed, and he believed that the planes were moving in the wrong direction. He instructed his fleet to fly northeast, thinking that they were somewhere over the Florida Keys and heading towards Florida. But they ended up really just traveling deeper into the Atlantic. And as the planes reached closer towards the Bermuda Triangle, their signals began fading. Eventually, all communication was cut and the planes were never seen again. The last thing recorded in the communications by Flight 19 passengers mm-hmm. were eerie reports on their location. They said everything looks strange, even the ocean. And then he said, it looks like we're entering white water. We're completely lost. So the disappearance of Flight 19 Mm. was so baffling that the official Navy report said it was, quote, as if they had flown into Mars. Interesting. In 1948, a commercial flight vanished over the Triangle with 29 passengers and two crew members heading towards Miami. 50 miles before reaching the city, the plane's captain, Robert Lindquist, radioed the Miami airport for landing instructions, but the radio was met with silence and the plane was never seen again. In 1963, the SS Marine Sulphur Queen was a large tanker ship carrying 39 passengers and molten sulfur, and it was last seen near the southern coast of Florida. After more than two weeks of looking, the rescue team only found a few pieces of debris and life preservers. There's just three more that we're going to chat about. In 1978, an experienced pilot named Irving Rivers departed from the U.S. Virgin Islands on a solo flight to pick up passengers from St. Thomas. The weather was calm. Rivers was just one mile from landing when his signal lights suddenly disappeared from the radar. A search team was sent to look for him, but the plane was never found. One mile away? One mile. Jeez. That may right. I feel like... If you're a mile away, you you would be able to see, like, if there was an explosion or something like that, you know? You'd think so. In 1984, a plane departing from Fort Lauderdale en route to the Bahamas completely vanished from radar signals before dropping down into the ocean. There were no radio, radio signals issued, and though one woman claimed to have seen the plane plunge into the water, no wreckage was ever found. 
And then we're going to skip to 2017. On February 23rd, Turkish Airlines Flight TK-183 was forced to change its direction from Havana, Cuba to Washington uh, Dulles Airport in Virginia after some mechanical and electrical problems occurred over the triangle. So that's a lot of creepy things that have happened. Many theories have developed over the years in an attempt to explain the strange happenings in the triangle, and I'll cover just the main theories, um, the most popular ones, because there are a lot of different people who have different ideas of what could have happened to each different type of planes, each of the ships, and um, it's just a lot to cover, but we're just going to generalize it and talk about just a few of the things that people think are going on in the Bermuda Triangle. So first... Do people still go over it? Yes. Like the airplanes and boats, do people still go over it? Yes, yes absolutely. It's so. a really common... I mean, it's just right up the coast oh. of Florida, between Florida and the Bahamas. And, um, I mean, it's a really common area. You think people would avoid it by now, but okay. Yeah. First is rogue waves. So some oceanographers think that vanishing ships and planes can be attributed to rogue waves. And this is when storms come from all directions and can meet and make large waves that can be over 100 feet or 30 meters high. And these, this size of waves can easily overtake ships, causing them to capsize or even snap in two. So that's a uh, common nope. theory, especially for the ships. A uh, second theory is magnetic forces causing compass malfunctions. Some theories suggest that specific line that there's a specific line where the magnetic north and true north are perfectly aligned and that it passes through the Bermuda Triangle, resulting in a magnetic phenomenon which could explain cases where pilots and ship captains uh, claim their compasses stop working, causing them to go off course. But the problem with this theory is that um, early 18th century scientists discovered that this specific line shifts each year. So while it did pass through the Bermuda Triangle at one point, it now goes through the Gulf of Mexico instead. A third theory is electronic fog. One of the Bermuda Triangle survivors, pilot Bruce Gernon, presented his theory on the phenomenon through what he calls an electronic fog. In 1970, he was flying with two passengers when his aircraft was swallowed up by two massive ominous clouds that formed a vortex and spiraled. Gernon found that his navigational oh. devices were malfunctioning and that they were not perceivable on radar. When they emerged, they found their trip had only taken them 35 minutes rather than the 75 minutes it should have. And he concluded that his aircraft had somehow been pushed forward in time. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Okay, yeah. Time travel. Yeah, okay. We're, we're doing that. <laughs> time a travel. Fourth theory is hexagonal cloud formation. So, meteorologists recently posed a new theory involving the formation of gigantic hexagonal clouds, which create 170 mile per hour air bombs. Some of these clouds could be 50 or 20 to 50 miles across, and waves inside could be as high as 45 feet. So, um, the straight edges of the clouds could be capable of 
quote, swatting a plane out of the sky or creating colossal waves to sink ships in a single gulp. But even if like the ships and the airplanes get lost at sea because of all the stuff, like, is it so unusual that they never find any remains of anything? Yeah, and we'll get to that. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Continue. Come on, Lindsay. <laughs> this is my story, not yours. Sorry. <laughs> the fifth story is methane bubbles. Craters found around the coast of Norway in 2016 gave new light to the theory of methane bubbles. The craters may measure up to half a mile wide and are 150 feet feet deep and are believed to have been formed by bubbles of largely methane gas leaking from deposits of oil and gas buried deep in the seafloor. Once these gases reach a critical mass before bursting to the surface, they can cause large eruptions. Basically, the methane <laughs> mixing with the seawater causes it to be more dense and buoyancy is reduced, so ships sink. And that's a lot of science. You said large eruptions. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> Sorry, we're like we're six, six years old. <sighs> I think closer to 13. Sixth grade. Okay. I was like, six yeah. year olds don't have that kind of humor. I'm glad you got a kick out of that. Yes. Me Listen, too. we you. are quarantined with our children all day, every day. So <laughs> sorry. Anything goes. <laughs> jokes are jokes. Yeah. Proceed. Lots of fart jokes. <laughs> oh god yeah there was a lot of talk about sulfur earlier i almost made a fart joke but i didn't so strong work containing yourself. i would i would have laughed you're welcome okay <laughs> the sixth theory is ufos which you both thought i was going to talk about today and in a roundabout way i am so for decades ufos have been spotted and recorded in the bermuda triangle and off the coast of florida military pilots have reported seeing mysterious objects that could reach hypersonic hypersonic speeds five times the speed of sound and maneuver in ways that are beyond the capability of advanced military aircraft with this sort of technology any human-made aircraft would be defenseless in a confrontation with UFOs over the waters of the Atlantic. The New York Times reported in late 2014, a Super Hornet pilot had a near collision with one of the objects. Some of the incidents were videotaped, including one taken by a plane's camera in early 2015 that shows an object zooming over the ocean waves as pilots question what they're watching. The Sun explains that some writers have blamed UFOs for the disappearances and that they believe that aliens use the triangle as a portal to travel to and from our planet. The area is like a gathering station where they capture people, ships, and aircraft to conduct research. So take from that what you want. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, um, okay. And I have lots of questions. <laughs> But I'm going to keep them to myself. <laughs> and seventh, and this is my favorite, is Atlantis. And it's not necessarily my favorite because of its ties to the Bermuda Triangle, but because I'm just fascinated with Pluto's description of Atlantis and the thought behind this super advanced, well, beyond anything we currently have, this potential lost civilization. It's just fascinating to me. More like city of Atlantis, right? Yeah, more fascinating with about? Atlantis okay. than, um, you know, 
its ties to the Bermuda Triangle. But back to the theory and how it ties to the Bermuda Triangle is some investigators claim that the lost city of Atlantis lies within the confines of the Bermuda Triangle, sunken but still very much present on the ocean floor. While many theories revolve around the existence of Atlantis, Atlantis itself and how the civilization fu- functioned, many believe the ancient civilization was home to numerous advanced technologies and it has been suggested that certain devices whatever these may be are somehow still active and powerful enough to take down ships and aircraft entering into the mysterious vortex in the Atlantic so basically whatever radio waves or whatever frequency their um, technology has used or might still be active they think it's so strong that it can just shoot down ships and planes and then finally the eighth eighth theory that i added is there is no mystery last year australian scientist carl kruzelnicki claimed that the high number of disappearances cannot be explained by aliens or atlantis or even by the more plausible theories involving rogue waves or any weather phenomenons instead he suggests that the mystery is nothing more than a perfect mix of human error bad weather and a high concentration of ships in the area it's close to the equator near a wealthy part of the world therefore you have a lot of traffic and the number that go missing in the bermuda triangle is essentially the same as anywhere in the world on a percentage basis so, however, while some claim that the eerie occurrences are nothing short of fictitious, sailors and pilots alike sometimes think twice before charting routes through these waters that are said to be haunted by lost souls. And I'll just leave you As with- they should. Yeah, I'll just leave you with the disclaimer. The U.S. government does not recognize the Bermuda Triangle as an actual geographic location or threat, and it is said that there's no evidence to suggest that disappearances occur with any more frequency in the triangle than in any other large stretches of ocean. But, you know, cover-ups are not infrequent in certain governments throughout the world. True. Mm. Okay. Can we ask a question now? Yeah, please. I may not know the I'm answer, but to. please do. Uh, yeah. What I wasn't. I could be way off base here, but wasn't there a theory about Amelia Earhart's plane being lost in the Bermuda Triangle? Maybe. I swear. <laughs> I swear there was. You want to tie our Atchison girl to the triangle? Be my guest, my friend. She's part of the triangle. She is important. Also, when you were talking, I learned that, you know, you guys had your things when we were talking in previous stories about what you would, your, your dream ghost experience was. Mm-hmm. One of you said whistling. Yes, One that's of you me. said piano. That's me. And I have decided it's a ghost ship. <laughs> yes. Ooh. Do you want to go on there like you just on want- and look at their cargo? <laughs> yes. Like a, like a pirate ship. That's what I want. <laughs> so you want to go to like the Queen Mary and things like that. I would yes. love that. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be awesome. I also, I also want to go to Salem, but I've been to Salem, but I want to go as an adult. Wouldn't that be cool? We all know how much you love witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> I almost made her do a spit take with her wine. <laughs> coming out my nose. <laughs> Yeah, I so do, I'm not a witch. Let me I just clarify. <laughs> considered, I didn't see Amelia Earhart anywhere in the research that I did, and I didn't. I thought about it 
briefly. However, I recently watched a documentary about how her aircraft was seen um, somewhere. Like past Hawaii in that area? That's why I get... I thought she was in the Pacific. Yeah, no, it's in the Pacific. I don't remember. It's somewhere over in the Asia, like South South Asia area. (sighs) Honestly... I don't know. Amelia Earhart disappeared in the Pacific Ocean off the coast of Howland Island, which is 1,700 nautical miles southwest of Honolulu. Oh, what the F. So I picked the Bermuda Triangle because I am a huge conspiracy theory. I Not that I believe everything, obviously, but I love to hear what people think um, about certain things around the world and um i just wanted to kind of broach broach the subject because i've got lots and lots in my lots up my sleeve lots of conspiracies up my sleeve maybe we'll just have to fly over the bermuda triangle someday i nope i don't think i ever (laughs) would do that even if i don't believe in it there's too many coincidences there for me to be like you might have already like i feel like i might have already when i went to turks and caicos i don't know the actual route but there was it was a very bumpy ride and see okay. there's lots of cruises that port out of miami and i'd be terrified to go on one of those oh yeah yeah i've been on one of those too i don't know girl hmm. it's a crazy yeah. spot i have uh, that was a good story though thank you thank you for filling us in so you mentioned how you like unsolved mysteries and uh conspiracy theories right yes Okay, well, I have one for you. You might have heard of it. And forgive me because it is from Russia. Love me some Russia, especially the (laughs) accents. Right. Well, my Russian accent is not exactly on point. So forgive me for my severely butchered Russian. I will forgive you. No, that was terrible. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even going to try because I know it's bad. And it's just going to come across defensive. Okay, I, I did it. I just need you guys to try it and I'll edit it out. She broke no. this <laughs> I don't trust you. I don't trust you. Oh. There have been several times, no, there have been several times that I've asked you to edit something out and then I'm listening to the podcast the next week and oh my gosh, it's in there. I tell you each time when I'm not going to do it. True, she does. True. You ask her, she but says But still. <laughs> well, okay. So this is about the Dyatlov, Dyatlov Pass. Okay. Yes, I love this. You do? How do you spell that? Okay, it's D-Y-A-T-L-O-V. Dyatlov. And I, I love this, I'm going to say it's a tragedy and it's awful that it happened, but like, like I love reading about it. It's fascinating. And I'm, I have to give like, it's a pretty long story as everything I pick is, it sounds like I have to, you know, snip some pieces out, but I'll try. I'll do my best here. So in early 1959, there was a 23-year-old. His name was Igor Dyatlov. We'll get to that here later. Uh, He assembled a group of nine people to go on a hiking slash skiing journey through the northern stretch of the Ural Mountains in what used to be the Soviet Union. Uh, Somewhere along the way in their journey, they pick up an extra hiker along the way. So it ended up being a total of 10 uh, when they first got started. So this wasn't like a boozy partying trip 
Okay. They weren't like smoking cigarettes, having a good time along the way. This was like prepared. They have been working for it. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were made up of eight men, two women. They were very experienced. They had hiker certifications and skiing experience. And it's not exactly like when I try to ski the bunny slopes. So just thought I'd throw that in there because I cannot. <laughs> I cannot either. <laughs> uh, over in Weston at, um, what's that one? Snow Creek. I've never been there. Yeah, we should check that out. Maybe it's haunted. I don't know. Oh. So, okay. On January 25th, they set out on their adventures. And almost immediately after they began, one man in their group named Yuri Yudin felt sick and he turned back. And he didn't really realize, obviously, at the time, this would be the last time he saw his friends. So the nine others continued on and they documented their journey along the way with pictures um, and journal entries. On January 31st, they reached a valley that um, marked what they would eventually be called the Dyatlov Pass. This is where they stashed some of their extra gear and food for their return trip. Uh, Spoiler alert, they didn't get this on the way back. There was no return trip. What? What? (laughs) (laughs) The next morning, they started their ascent. They hoped to push over the pass and then make camp. But unfortunately, there was a huge snowstorm that came about and it had forced them to change their route. So they ended up going onto a mountain called, oh gosh, here we go, Kolatsikal. Yep, sounds right. Yeah, nailed it. Um, which in the native language of the indigenous people who lived there means dead mountain. Uh oh. Yeah. It's not a good omen, I feel like. No. Right. Their original plan was skewed because of the storm and their new route. So they chose a campground that was actually more exposed on the side of a mountain and on the slopes instead of hidden and were protected. So that was kind of like curious when they ended up finding them later on. And in one of the last journal entries that they were able to find later on, it said, it's difficult to imagine such a comfort on the ridge Howling wind, hundreds of kilometers away from human settlements. It's one of the last journal entries that they had. So at the campground, they all shared a huge tent. I saw a picture of it. It's pretty big. They made a, um, like a stove from the inside, and one of the guys actually constructed it himself. It's pretty cool. The temps that night got around to below negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit. So just a little chilly. I don't know. Maybe a light sweater. <laughs> Like cardigan? A cardigan. It's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite. This is about as much as what is known from their journals and pictures. That we know. Everything else is all what they they guess, basically. So what happened next is still all unknown. And they did not meet up at the checkpoint. They had set an original date and time to check up. Once they thought that their journey would be over, but they didn't make that date and time. Uh, so search and rescue teams went looking for the group. About three weeks later, on February 26, 1959, they located the hikers camp in a very bizarre state. And here is what they found. They came across the campsite and noticed that something had obviously gone horribly wrong. The tent was covered with a thin layer of snow. It was completely flat and had a large tear that was done from the inside. It looked as if a knife had slashed it from the inside. A large slash. Oh, like they were trying to escape. Maybe. Who Uh, knows? uh. They also saw that all of their important belongings were left behind inside the tent, like their shoes, hats, you know, important things when it's negative 40. I mean, yeah. Just a few minor details. (laughs) Speaking of shoes and feet. (laughs) Speaking of feet. 
<laughs> Speaking of feet that go in shoes. Did they leave behind their cardigans? Their light cardigans? I think they did. I think that they were like, screw it all. These cardigans ain't shit. There was a line of footprints leading away from the tent. But the interesting thing was that they were not in a hurry. Now, I'm sure that there is some t- scientific reason about why they can tell that they're not in a hurry. But they make that a point in almost everything. It's very obvious that they're just like slowly walking in a line. And it was almost as if the person behind them had uh, uh, like purposefully stepped in the footprint of the person in front of them. Again, that's a lot of assessing. That's a lot of, mm-hmm. that's a way out of my scope of practice. So they could tell that some people were only wearing one shoe, some were barefoot. Um, and again, it looked like they were purposely stepping in the same tracks. So about a third of a mile, <laughs> about a third of a mile from the campsite, they uh, found the first two bodies. They were missing most of their clothing and their shoes. Somewhere between the campfire and the tent, they found three more bodies. Those bodies were frozen in a certain way that made it look like they were trying to get back to the camp or to the tent. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. So rescuers at that time were unable to locate the remainder of the hikers and had to wait until May 4th of 1959. So they originally went out in February, had to come back in May. So that's a long time. Because they had to like wait for the snow to melt or? Yeah, it was too cold. They had to wait till the weather was more warmer to go back out and investigate further. They didn't find them initially, you know, just right around there. So in May, they came back out. They were able to locate the bodies of the remainder of the hikers. So that would have been four more. And they were actually lodged in a ravine, which they felt was kind of bizarre because it was farther away from the, the campsite. So later on, autopsies showed that six of them died from hypothermia. They also sure. found some... Some other crazy stuff. I mean, hypothermia is kind of to be expected. I mean, it is negative 40, and we already explained they're not wearing shoes. And two of them were also found, the ones they they first found were found without, like, their hats or gloves or jackets or, like, you know, really important things Uh that you would need. Um, So hypothermia is not really to be surprised about. We're like, oh, it's cold. It's really cold. Right. Um, (laughs) So the bodies in the ravine also had massive injuries, including skull injuries and rib fractures. Mm. (laughs) The autopsy also noted that one of the women in the ravine was also noted to be missing her tongue and her eyeballs. There are eyeballs. There's your eyeballs. No, I hate it. I hate it. I'm going to add a little cherry to that. Another man was also found without his eyeballs, too. Okay. Well, this is great. (laughs) Uh, The the weird thing is there were really no signs of struggle. Like, they didn't have scratch marks really on their face. There weren't bruises on their face. Their eyeballs looked to be gouged out of their head. And her tongue looked to be cut off. So, very bizarre stuff, right? Not like an animal would have done it. Because that was my thinking. Like an animal would have bitten it off or maybe they were, you know. That's just it. Nobody really knows. So they they show some of their pictures right along their route and you can tell there's a definite change in in the way everybody was feeling you can tell everybody's happy go lucky in the initial first pictures in their journey and then throughout you can tell they start to feel a little bit anxious and some people can speculate that they thought that they knew that they were lost maybe or didn't know where they were because there were some pictures where it is 
very snowy. You cannot see what's going on or where you're going in front of you. So it's very likely that they could have been lost too. Another picture towards the end of the camera roll, almost the last one, showed a bizarre light source in the photo. Okay, so this is kind of the last picture that they found. And it's just, it's at night and there is a light source, but there is no light in the area where they're taking it. So something had to pass in front of the camera to give it this image. And so some people have speculated different things. And that kind of comes here in a second with the theories. So again, back to the photo that showed weird things. The other thing that the autopsy showed is that two of the men had clothing that had uh, radioactive material on it that would otherwise not be found on other people. Um, so uh, the deaths were eventually labeled as compelling natural forces. And some documents were classified um, and eventually the area was closed to the public. Hmm. So this is like a perfect breeding ground for conspiracy theories. Aliens. Aliens is I my knew, personal I knew thing, you were right? going to say that. <laughs> I knew you were going to say aliens. Well, let's talk about it. How could it not be aliens? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just saying that is the most logical theory of it all. Just saying. They led them out of the tent. I don't think that's up. the most logical explanation. <laughs> took their eyes and tongue they wanted to do some studies it so happened. we've talked we've talked about how i'm like the skeptic of the group so aliens <laughs> i am like a firm hard pass on like no i don't believe in them <laughs> so Boyson and i have these arguments about aliens and ufos <laughs> i'm not a huge alien believer but i do think that the diet love ha- pass happen due to aliens okay but there are other there okay. are other theories <laughs> the other one is the an avalanche maybe happened uh, uh-huh. but there are a lot of things to disprove the avalanche theory also that number one being that there's never been an avalanche in that area ever like ever <laughs> so and many people have gone up this way before um and there's never ever been an avalanche so they don't think that this is and they would say that they would look like they were more frantic running from the tent uh, versus being you know slow and methodical walking from th- the tent sure uh, sure so there are there are things that also disprove the avalanche theory. Um, um, some people think. Go I ahead. Had food in my mouth. I'm so sorry. So how can you guys not believe in aliens when there has been <laughs> so many sightings and stories, and people in the government have even come out and said aliens are a thing? Here's why: because because they scare me a little bit. <laughs> okay, I can accept that. I believe. A little, and I also don't a little because I'm. If I think about it too much, it might freak me out. So, I do think aliens. <laughs> I think they came over to the Diet Love Pass. Diet Love. How did I say it? <laughs> I don't know. Diet Love. Diet Love. Diet Love. Diet Love Pass. They, they came over there. I feel like they they fucked with those hikers, man. They fucked them up, and I'm not even playing. That was messed up. Yeah. They came over with some studies. And my final um, alien point is that I just think it's very um, small-minded to think that we're the only ones in this entire universe. Whoa, whoa, okay. Drop the mic. Are you I would drop the mic if it weren't so expensive. That's <laughs> like that I have to take it off a mount and then throw it on the ground and I don't want to do that. And I have to use it again and again. <laughs> no, I'm not calling you small minded. I just think in general the argument of aliens don't exist. I think you have some open mindedness enough to think that maybe it could potentially be a thing. I mean, I'm a 
I think anything is possible. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, there's nothing that says absolutely not to me, but I just, I feel like we would have a lot more evidence and would know by now at this point in time. We would, I think we know nothing. And I think uh, there could be an identical universe of us in a thousand billion light years away. uh, And they would still technically be aliens because we don't know them. So I don't know. I'm with Boydston on that, but I don't know. There is some tough, that's it. That's an argument. That's a debate. I'm so sorry I interrupted well, your story. Well, no, it's because when I said that about UFOs, I saw that you were chewing your food. And I was like, she's not going to come back at me. But you did. I was like, I can Well, this, this is go. proof that UFOs happened. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That, uh, that is, um, yeah, I think number two. Realistically, that is number two in my book about what happened in the DS love. I feel like the more times you say it, the more you butcher it. (laughs) In the past, on the hikers. That's what I'm going to go with. Okay. So (laughs) we talked about the avalanche, but the next one is some people theorize that maybe there was a lover's quarrel in a fight that broke out after they had been on some drugs and hallucinogens, which honestly, I mean, I could see you could freak out. They, they cut a tent. They are freaking out. They're fighting, but I don't get the tongue. And the eyeballs. This is like a soap opera version. <laughs> right? Like, I can see how things might happen, but I can also see how things may not happen. I don't know. Hallucinogenics, though. I mean, I could see it. I know. I know. Makes people do crazy stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. The next theory is that because they found radioactive material on two of the men's clothing, that maybe it was due to military weapons experiment. Could be. Hmm. Wasn't there, so there, and in the 50s is a different time there was like there's like a movie about this have you guys seen it like about this past and it's like has to do with they think it was what you said like russian intelligence and the government covering it up um so that's kind of the way the movie goes but i don't know i don't, I don't know. know so the other one is that the indigenous tribe had something to do with it, that maybe they were the ones who murdered these people. Uh, but in retrospect, like that the the people of this tribe were very friendly and they were helpful throughout the whole time. They are a very passive tribe. They were not aggressive. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have anything to do with it. Okay, that's what they're trying to say. It wasn't them. Yeah. They were trying to rule out everything. And that was almost immediately ruled out. Um, the last thing was... Maybe they were murdered. Um, bum, bum, bum. Murdered. Which, honestly, I could see that too, right? Like Murdered maybe, by whom? I don't, by maybe the government. Don't come at me, Russian government. I'm not ready. <laughs> but here's my thing with the government thing. So I feel like the government is really good at hiding things if they want to. And I feel like they wouldn't leave all these bodies in suspicious circumstances laying around for people to puzzle over. They would have just gotten rid of the bodies because that's easier. And people would have just thought something happened to them and never would have known what, you know? Maybe, maybe, or maybe things just weren't advanced at that time. I I have no idea. You can always stash a body. I feel like on a mountain, you probably could pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, Right. But I feel like, honestly, without government issue being involved, I think the my most realistic explanation is that they were murdered by a group of people who came up and took over the camp. There's a whole theory on that one, too. Um, the lady that did most of the translating from the Russian documents to English gave her explanation, and that's, that's her explanation. She thinks that 
that they were actually murdered by a group of people who came up and took over the camp, tried to march them down, took left them there for the two for to die of hypothermia, took the others. Um, a couple mm-hmm. of them tried to escape. They ended up dying. <laughs> a couple of them other escaped, lighted a fire and drew them back in. And then they ended up being murdered again. So that, that is mm. her theory, but who knows? It's still a mystery. There you go. Well, and isn't it also with hypothermia, like when you start entering the final stages, your body starts thinking you're hot. And so maybe that's why they stripped off their clothes. So I kind of wondered that too. And nobody really speaks to that. But I was like, if they are that cold, I feel like that kind of messes with your brain also. It makes you do crazy stuff. But it doesn't explain the eyeballs right. and the tongue. Well, that's no. The, that's no. the hard part. <laughs> that's where we get into the weird, like, I don't know. Yeah. Ugh, I don't like that. That's a but good again. One. Thank you. Yeah. No, it is a good one. I'm still thinking. I'm going to be thinking about this all night and researching it. <laughs> <laughs> there are a ton. It's like almost the more you research, the more you have people disprove theories but at the end of the day, nobody has an answer. Right. It's extremely right. frustrating. So it's like a, just a tunnel you cannot end. It just goes on forever. Forever and ever. So my turn. And I did a urban legend that also has a little bit of true crime in it. So get Ooh, ready. Listen to us all spooky. I know. It's like the best of both worlds. Yes. And this is an urban legend from the US of A, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with because it's pretty pretty new for an urban legend you I was know like yes i am familiar with us <laughs> i was gonna say that too <laughs> <laughs> i live here <laughs> i think i've heard of that country <laughs> i have just vaguely though i'm going to do it on the slender man oh, oh. slender man <laughs> what a jerk you guys- i'm a fan of this story <laughs> it's it's an interesting story um so slender man he was created on, on july 10th 2009 so like i said pretty pretty recent for a urban legend um he originated as a creepy pasta internet meme um it was on a forum called something awful and user eric nudson whose screen name was victor surge created him. It was part of a Photoshop contest where users were challenged to create paranormal images. So he submitted, Eric submitted two black and white images of groups of kids to which he added a tall and thin spectral figure wearing a black suit. He also added text and stories from witnesses, I'm putting that in quotations, um, to the pictures describing abductions of children and calling the man the slender man for the first time. So the first photo caption read, we didn't want to go. We didn't want to kill them, but its persistent silence and outstretched arms horrified and comforted us at the same time. Dot, dot, dot. Ew. And then underneath that, it said 1983, photographer unknown, presumed dead. Lies. (laughs) So the second, the caption for the second photo says, quote, one of two recovered photographs from the Sterling City Library blaze. Notable for being taken the day which 14 children vanished and for what is referred to as the Slender Man. Deformity cited as film defects by officials. Fire at library occurred one week later. Actual actual photograph confiscated as evidence. 1986, photographer Mary Thomas, missing since June 13, 1986. Okay, so... Eric reports that um, he was inspired by a lot of horror movies and authors, um, including Zach Parsons, That Insidious Beast, 
Stephen King's The Mist, Reports of Shadow People, which that's another urban legend I want to do because those are interesting. Um, Mothman. Hang on, can we pause on The Mist? Yep. I need to confirm this is what I'm about to go on a rant on. Okay, you rant. Missed the movie? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's like a book too before it became a movie. I honestly don't think I've seen The Mist. I've seen it. It's got like one of the most brutal endings. Yeah, so here's my issue with The Mist. Uh, (laughs) And so. You're not going to spoil it for. I think it is. It's on there. Are you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I the spoiler alert. This is my disclaimer. If you don't want to hear the ending of the mist, then fast forward for a minute or two. Um, my issue with the mist is the ending. <laughs> you... Sarah took off her headphones. <laughs> Just tell me when I need to come back in. I'll do jazz fingers. You watch this movie and you're all involved yes. and the fog overtakes the city and yada 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 and people are running for their lives, people are dying, and this weird mist creature is is killing people okay and then you know they're calling in for the national guard okay i'm getting water okay okay (laughs) this guy and his son and two old people are in this car and they're trying to escape the city they don't think they're going to get any help they think that this is it so so they think so they come up to somebody who they think is going to help them and then that person's gone like there's nobody to help them so they think that it's futile and so he ends up the the main guy ends up shooting everybody his son the two old people and then here comes the national fucking guard here to save everybody that is the absolute worst ending. So this little kid's dead. These two sweet old people are dead. I am so angry. I watched it. What was it? It came out in 2007. I watched it that long ago, and I am still angry about it to this day. It gutted me. It was awful. Like, I remember legit when the National Guard pulled up, I was like, oh, no. It was uh, it's awful. It's awful. I watched it on a date. We never went on a second date. (laughs) The mist ruined it. The mist ruined everything. I'm very angry at the mist, and I will never recommend it to anybody. And anybody who mentions the mist, I will go on this tirade every single time. Well, Slender Man was partially inspired by the creature in the mist. Mm. So the long tentacle arms. All right. I'm doing spirit fingers at Sarah so she can come back now. Spoilers over. Um, so she is not a fan of the mist. No, no. Basically, the what? Just oh, that... oh, can you hear him? He's snorting. <laughs> can you hear him snorting? <laughs> yes, loud and clear. <laughs> I was wondering. Hi, buddy. There he is. Yeah, I see him. Hi. Okay, so the mist. I'm gonna watch it. Like I know, I don't know what you guys talked about. So thank no, God. do not watch it. I do not recommend. I recommend really? it. I recommend it. Like I'm it's not spooky at all. Fine, watch no, it, it and then I wanna, I wanna talk about this next time we we talk. All right, I can deal with that. I, I am still you angry. Don't mind, I not read the book, but I'm a fan of Stephen King. Cool. Yes, it's good. I'm very angry. <laughs> so shadow people the mist mothman and the mad gasser of matoon which i don't know what that is um <laughs> of matoon okay bookmark that to talk about later <laughs> um also inspired by the tall man from the 1979 film phantasm um hp lovecraft 
the surrealist work of William S. Burroughs and Silent Hill and Resident Evil. So he had a lot of inspiration from a lot of different sources. Silent Hill was pretty scary. Yeah, it was. Creepy. Slender Man is described as a thin, unnaturally tall humanoid with a featureless head and face and wearing a black suit. Um, arms are like tentacles that can reach out and extend to capture his prey. Also associated with the forest and or abandoned locations and has the ability to teleport. Being in close proximity to him triggers a slender sickness, which is described as paranoia, nightmares, and delusions accompanied by nosebleeds. Common stories feature him stalking, abducting, or traumatizing people, but specifically he targets children, tries to get them to come with him into the woods, and then they're never seen again, which is like terrifying when I was a kid. Our house backed up, the backyard backed up to like some woods, and I was always like terrified of going into the woods. <laughs> and Slender Man wasn't even around then. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing at my fear. I, that's why I said I don't know why I laughed. Just because. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Go ahead. Continue. <laughs> All right. So stories about Slender Man cause others to go insane. And it's talked about that if you start investigating him, it draws his attention to you. So sorry, people. They talked about when he was created that they purposely left him pretty mysterious and vague as to what he does to his victims, um, which is why they think this whole internet sensation took off and why it became so popular because other users and people can adapt him to fit like their own ghost stories because it's just pretty vague. He's just this tall, ghostly looking figure who takes children, but doesn't talk about what he does. So Slender Man obviously went viral. Um, Creepypasta got a hold of it also, and other stories started popping up. People making stories about him and what he's done. There was a video series um, posted on YouTube by C Space Gars was the username real name is troy wagner and he posted this on something awful as well and eventually went to um, youtube telling of a film school friend named alex who stumbled upon something troubling while shooting his first project um and it was done like found footage style still up on youtube i've watched it you can go and watch it it's got 100 million views and there's like 92 videos on it but it's like this like found footage movie about slender man and that's kind of like where a lot of his stuff went viral from there so slender man also has video games out now did you guys know that there's like a couple of video games with slender man in it no but i'm I surprised i haven't what oh you probably don't know i don't know if it was like on xbox or i do not know <laughs> what game system it's on Sorry. I, I realized it was way too specific of a question so i stopped turning <laughs> off. what it was <laughs> um so Slender Man was kind of just all over the internet. And then in 2014, it hit the news again because of an attempted murder that happened because of Slender Man. Have you guys heard of this? Yes, yes. I have. The okay. girls. The girls. Yes. So we'll talk a little bit about them. Um, this happened in Wakusha, Wisconsin. I don't know. Wakasha. That sounds right. I don't know. Wisconsin. It happened in Wisconsin. We, in Wisconsin. Okay. we know how to say that. Um, we don't know how to read or pronounce, so y'all are <laughs> should probably look up how to pronounce that. I tried, and I still butcher <laughs> it every time. So there's three 12-year-old girls named Peyton Lautner, Anissa Wire, and Morgan Geyser, and they're all best friends. They're 12. May 31st, 2014, they had a little slumber party, and in the daytime, they went to go play hide-and-seek in the woods, and... Anissa and Morgan held down and stabbed 
Peyton 19 times. When questioned why they did it, they claimed that they wished to commit a murder as a first step to becoming proxies for the Slender Man after reading about him online. So they thought that they would become servants of him and live in his mansion, which they thought was in the forest. And they feared that Slender Man would kill their families if they did not kill their friend, which is awful. So Peyton actually survived. She crawled out of the woods to a roadway and a passing cyclist found her and called the police. And she survived. When they found the girls, Anissa and Morgan, when they found them, um, Anissa felt guilty, but kind of like, I feel like this had to be done. I was trying to save my family. Like she felt awful about it. But Morgan had no empathy as described by the police. Both of the attackers, Anissa and Morgan, have been diagnosed with mental illnesses and were charged as adults, which is like blowing my mind because they were 12 when this happened. Experts testified in court that the attackers said that they conversed with Lord Voldemort oh. and also one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Didn't say which one. Which one? Michelangelo. <laughs> I always knew Michelangelo was bad news. He yep. hit it with his like hang loose personality, pizza <laughs> eating. Come on. Which like so they were talking, they were obsessed with Slender Man, talking to Lord Voldemort, and then the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like I just don't see how that fits in with the theme here of evil bad guys. Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yes, I could see Lord Voldemort. He is a douchebag, but Michelangelo is kind of cool. They were found incompetent to stand trial and prosecution was suspended until they improved. Um, by August 2015, they were ruled competent and tried as adults separately. So at this point, they're like 14 or 15 years old and they're still being tried as adults. Anissa, <laughs> so she was the one who felt guilty, remember? Yeah, okay. So she pled guilty to being party to attempted second-degree murder in 2017. A jury found her not guilty by mental disease or defect. Uh, she was sentenced to 25 years to life with at least three years locked confinement and involuntary treatment in a state psychiatric institute, followed by supervision until she is 37 years old. Um, a long time Morgan. for a 12-year-old. I know, yeah. yeah. Morgan, so the one who didn't feel any remorse, accepted a plea offer to be evaluated by psychiatrists and then she pled guilty and was also found not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect as well um she was sentenced to the maximum which was 40 years to life she has the same conditions serve at least three years locked confinement in addition to involuntary psychiatric treatment until either a complete resolution of her symptoms or the age of 53. And she will have continued reevaluations by psychiatrists. And if they feel like she needs it, she'll be reinstitutionalized. Um, 2018, kind of the last update, she was sentenced to 40 years under mental health facility supervision. She's at Winnebago Mental Health Institute, and she is the youngest patient there. Yeah. So the creator of Slender Man um, came out and said, I am deeply saddened by the tragedy in Wisconsin and my heart goes out to the families of those affected by this terrible act. He refused mm -hmm. to give out any interviews when this was going on, which I do not blame him. I can't imagine. Yeah, sure. I mean, he made this up in fiction. For fun. For fun. Yeah. yeah. It's oh, not fun yikes. anymore. Yeah. It's a bummer. It is. So creepypasta. They held a 24-hour live stream when this was going on to raise money for the victim to show that they cared about her and that they do not condone violence. They came out with this big statement basically saying, we are fans of horror, but we do not condone violence in any way, blah, blah, blah. So I thought that was a pretty cool thing they did. 
Yeah. And a couple of things just in the media. There is a documentary on HBO that came out in March 2016 called Beware the Slender Man. Terror in the Woods aired on Lifetime in 2018 about this murder, or not murder, but attempted murder. Um, And then Mercy Black was released on Netflix about the stabbing, which I've seen the Lifetime movie, but I haven't seen Mercy Black. So that is my story about Slender Man. Slender Man is a giant asshole. He is. And he's creepy looking, too. He is creepy looking. He is kind of scary. I'm going to draw a picture of Slenderman right here. Okay. On my page. (laughs) (laughs) For your own fun? Yeah, I'm really good at drawing strict figures. (laughs) Here we go. I can't wait to see this masterpiece. You're welcome. Oh, done already. (laughs) Done already. (laughs) That's glorious. It's beautiful. I feel like you need to post this. No. What in the world? No, that's not how it goes. What is on the top of his head? That's just his head. Please take a picture of that. That's pretty accurate. Just a second, I'm dropping my own slender. His arms, the noise. Have you even seen Slender Man? That's totally inaccurate. Here's, Here's what he looks like. He has a hat on. Should I draw the hat? No, you no. That's an inaccurate representation. This is what he looks like. Oh, your dude has lots of arms and tentacles. <laughs> so I need more arms. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. Let me show you what I was picturing. You guys aren't making him tall enough. That's the problem. I here. made his legs very tall. I've just got a post-it note. How tall can you be on a post-it note? Well, I mean, my dude is very tall. Okay. There's my dude. I have to keep backing him up because he's too tall. <laughs> He's got little legs. <laughs> okay, so that was fun, guys. <laughs> and maybe you guys will get to see some of these amazing pictures that we drew. There's a lot of debatable issues tonight. Aliens. <laughs> the Dietlov past. <laughs> Your accent gets worse every time. Dietlov. It, it could be the wine. The Dietlov. Dietlov. <laughs> I mean, I think oh, I I'm the just closest. making it more authentic. <laughs> oh, I'm losing it over here. I'm not even drinking. <laughs> Please look at how my Slender Man has progressed. He's got a suit on. His arms are still so short. Why are his pants so short? Is there a pants suit? Like a shorts pants? A short suit? Do they make suits that are shorts? Like little Mormons okay? in, in the in the summer? It's a capri pantsuit. <laughs> I just want to show you again. Here you go. And clown shoes. All right. Please take a picture of that. We got to post that one. Like, his arms are so short. <laughs> He's got... yeah, where, where are his tentacles? I just don't understand. The slender friend that I know and love does not have to... <laughs> Hang on, can you humor me and like give him a backpack that his tentacles can come out sure. of? Sure, I can. <laughs> oh man, I can't even. So I'm crying. Funny. I'm legit I crying over here at that drawing. Here you go. Backpack. backpack Slenderman does tentacles. not carry a backpack. He is in a suit. If anything, he's going to carry a briefcase, y'all. Come on. She refuses to give him tentacles, so that's where his tentacles are, is in his backpack. Hey, I did it. He's now a superhero. <laughs> yeah, perfect 
That's the best oh of my both gosh. worlds. And then color is space because his face no, his is just lifeless. His face is white, but it's lifeless, which I associate with darkness. <laughs> Why is this all about how you picture him? It's her drawing. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> we had lots to talk about this episode, guys. <laughs> And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Tipsy Ghost to see these lovely pictures. I mean, these are like quality guys. This was a fun episode. It turned out to be a super spontaneous, fun episode, and I loved it. So, thanks. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll get back to ghost hunting soon, guys. But until then, be safe. Wash your hands and cough into your elbow. Yeah. All the things. Stay away from people. General rule of thumb. Yes. (laughs) Cool. Nailed it. So anyhow, <laughs> we'll see you next time. Hang on. Did, next time. Did we tell them where we could they could find us? Yes. I did all of this. You weren't listening because oh. you were looking at your phone. <laughs> I was sending you pictures. <laughs> well, I did it all already. We both did. We got you. <laughs> all right. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.